football, baseball, basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. Jacob Hillman, Bay Marks beside me, as always, Thursdays at 4 o'clock. It's time for the scoreboard. Auburn basketball had a good Saturday, not so good Tuesday. Later on the show, we're talking about Auburn baseball, NBA All-Star break, and NFL free agency again, since there's been some news about that. But as I said, we're leading off with Auburn basketball. Last Saturday, 77-72 defeat of Tennessee. Tuesday, 70-58 loss to Alabama Bay. What in the world was the difference? Well, I think the big thing was against Tennessee, you saw Auburn was very strong defensively. They weren't allowing easy passes. They weren't um, letting Tennessee run what they wanted to run. And you even argue that the defense against Bama wasn't that bad either at some points. I think it was just... You're facing one of the best offenses in the nation. Um, there's been some more comparisons of them being the Final Four team that Auburn was a few years ago. And for the most part, Auburn hung in there. And I think the big problem with Auburn and Tuscaloosa the other day wasn't necessarily the defense. I think the problem was more so the offense. You don't have Shreve Cooper. Now Auburn fans were t- uh, teased when they heard that Shreve was out in his warm-up clothes, warming up, and was there in the arena and then come to find out he was in street clothes once first tip happened and he never played. And then you still have Justin Powell, who obviously didn't travel probably, and then he's not playing the rest of the season, obviously. So um, you had Jamal Johnson running to the point with Allen Flanagan still. It's just an offense that hasn't really worked out. Auburn's kind of come to the conclusion they need that true point guard like Sharif or even Justin Powell, who was originally a shooting guard and learned the point guard position really quickly. So it was more so just the offense being discombobulated and not functional and smooth at all. Um, you could argue that if it was, Auburn would have came out of uh, Tuscaloosa a winner. Yeah, and that offense not being smooth and discombobulated, as you said, led to what the true, you know, if you're looking at stats, what the reason for it was. On Saturday against Tennessee in the win, 12 turnovers. In the loss of Alabama, 23. That It's as simple as that. You turn the ball over too many times, and Alabama's going to take advantage. So, I mean, literally, Alabama's fast break points, they only had 12, but off turnovers, 24. Yeah. And that, that's not going to get it done if you're Auburn. And Auburn only turned Alabama over seven times and scored six points off turnovers. I think a big thing also was Auburn was very controlled on the defensive end. They only sent Bama to the line 11 times. Now, granted, you look on the other side of that, Auburn only went 16 times. So only five more attempts from the line. Um, not a big difference in the end. But you look at the box score, Really, Jalen Williams was the leading scorer. Auburn had three starters who were in double digits, 13, 11, and 10 for Williams, Cambridge, and Johnson, respectfully. Um, but I, th- I think it also comes down to what we were talking about on the show, I believe it was last week, was just the fact that in the end, Auburn hasn't had any production off their bench lately. I mean, Dylan Cardwell had a strong first half. He had six total points, um, and he also had four rebounds to complement that. But it's guys coming off the bench like Chris Moore, Stretch Akingbola, Javon Franklin, who's been playing a lot as the season has gone on, who all went scoreless. So I think it's just a lack of scoring for Auburn right now. It's, like you said, the turnovers hurt. And 
obviously not having a five-star point guard hurt the team. Yeah, and I think that, you know, kind of the turnovers are, you know, you, you mentioned the scoring. It's all kind of the same thing. It's all together. You don't have a point guard. And it's no disrespect to Jamal Johnson or Alan Flanagan. It's just not their position. Johnson did much better at point guard than Alan Flanagan did. Yeah, he did. Well, he but, played in high school, too, yes. at Spain Park. So it, it's something he's familiar with. He's not comfortable with because he hasn't done it in three years. But he was familiar with it, so he was able to come in and kind of run the offense a little bit better than Flanagan did. But it still wasn't enough, especially against a great Alabama team. I also look at the fact that, you know, it, it, it's not it's not the same offense. It's just not with them. Auburn slowed down a lot in the last two games with their pace. With Sharif Cooper, Auburn's flying up and down the floor. Without him, Auburn's not doing the same thing. I think a big thing also was on the post-game interview with Bruce Pearl with Andy Burcham, um, Bruce talked about one of the positives, because you know Bruce is a guy that likes to build off the positives, was they shaved 24 points off of what Bama scored in Auburn Arena uh, back earlier this season. They scored 94 here, and Auburn in their own arena held them to 70. So 24-point difference there. Like I said, the defense wasn't a problem. Um, You could argue that was one of Bama's less impressive offensive performances this year. It's just like we keep reiterating. It's just the point guard position, which leads to the question of, A, does Sharif come back? And B, the even bigger question is, if he doesn't, besides Justin Powell, who do you have that can play point guard next year and step in and play valuable minutes? Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. You got to bring it in the grad transfer. It's it's kind of a similar situation to, you remember Ronnie Johnson? Mm-hmm. I think it's very similar to that because this is going to sound weird, but I, for some reason on my lunch break today, I was watching Auburn UAB highlights from that year in Bartow when that game was electric yeah but uh anyways it's the similar situation with that because coming into that year they didn't have a point guard because Kareem Canty and Simeon Bowers had left and Jared Harper was a freshman while he was a highly touted freshman you don't know what you're gonna get so Bruce goes after grad transfer more recently Javon Franklin or not Javon Franklin I'm sorry Javon McCormick um coming out of Juco as well so I think that's the biggest answer I think you kind of have to there's just you you saw what happened when you didn't have a point guard after Turbo Jones transferred out Powell and Powell's not even a point guard, but he was he was he was the best option outside of Turbo and Sharif Cooper. And he looked great. I mean, he, he was dropping nearly thirty points in some games. So it's one of those things where I would much rather have Powell running the two guard instead of instead of him running the one guard where he's kind of having to do different things. I, I think he's a good he's such a great shooter that you want him just shooting the ball. You don't yeah. want him to have to deal with passing it around and stuff. So get a point guard. I don't I don't know any names to look out for in the transfer portal or anything. If Sharif leaves. Yeah, if Sharif leaves. Don't give me that I look. won't say I won't win. I won't say when he leaves. But it, it's one of those things where I, I, I kind of blame Bruce for it because the recruiting hasn't been there for the point guard position. And, you know, yeah, Sharif, what, what about the years sandwiching that? You got Scooter Henderson in two years. That's two years from now. If Auburn gets Scoot Henderson. Correct, correct. But the way they're recruiting yeah. him is kind of what I'm... And besides him, at. there isn't really anybody on the radar. Yeah. I mean, because Auburn's been spoiled with Jared Harper for three years, and then they had Javon McCormick come in his last year. I think Bruce was kind of thinking he might leave soon. I need somebody else. So Javon stays for one more year, and Samir even ran point last year. Well, those guys are out. Well, see, and that's another thing. I didn't like... Samir ran the point guard great, but... I think he was so much better at the two guard. It was it was, was one of those things where you're forcing these players into spots that they're good at, but my lord, they could be helping so much better at a different position. Yeah. So 
big point being, if Shreve Cooper doesn't come back next year and Auburn doesn't get a grad chance for point guard, you're going to pretty much see the same thing you are this year unless Justin Powell plays 35 minutes and he gets five minutes worth of rest. And then, hey, maybe even Trey Alexander. He's the number one player in Oklahoma coming into Auburn next year. So See, and, and that's another guy that he's a two-guard, but he can play point guard. So I, I just I want him as a true, You position. want a true point guard. Exactly. Because Auburn's offense, the way Bruce Pearl runs it, runs so well. And I was saying this the other night when we were watching the game in our apartment together was when I was yelling, move. Auburn's offense just becomes stagnant with no true point guard on the floor because they're like the quarterback. They move the ball around. They know the sets, the schemes, what they want to run. And when you don't have that intelligent guy out there like a Sharif Cooper, then you don't have a quarterback on the field. So the play can't run. So everybody stands still and counts on one person to do something like Alan Flanagan hawking up a three. So, And Flanagan, I will say, sometimes it works out whenever he's driving the ball well. Keywords sometimes. Because he's a, yeah, he's a good facilitator. He's good at getting to the rim. I consider him an Isaac Okoro light, uh, 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 just kind of a poor man's version of Isaac right now. I think he could eventually get the offensive ability to that point. His strength is just that he's so big and strong exactly, like Isaac was. just like Isaac was. So I think that if he can figure it out, then he can be like Isaac on the offensive end in the coming years. But when he's running the point guard, it's just difficult to do, like running that ISO. Like It's better when he's coming in from the wing whenever he's getting in off the off the pass but it's it, it I just that's all I'm begging for this offseason yes a point guard point guard point guard point guard well before the offseason and I'll Saturday. say and I'll say yes and even if Sharif does come back I still want someone backing him up oh no for sure I mean because he Sharif can't play 40 minutes obviously and if Justin Powell truly if Bruce sees that Justin Powell is truly stronger in the two guard position than he is running the point then you definitely need to get a backup guard. Powell could play more minutes with that guard. Powell could play minutes with Sharif and still have guys like Alan Flanagan, Jabari Smith, JT Thor out on the floor with him, Jalen Williams. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be crucial. One positive out of the out of Alan Flanagan having to run the point is he can kind of run like a like a LeBron James type thing. He grabs a rebound, and he can actually run it up the floor because he, he's kind of familiar with it. Now, I'm not saying I want him to do that every time, but – it's an option. Are you saying Allen is LeBron James? Oh, that's exactly what I'm yeah. saying, Bay. But no, it, it, it's one of those things where it gives you another option with a fast break because, hey. It cuts down on an outlet pass. You can get the play flowing quicker. Exactly. So I think that's one good thing when you look forward, but it's just something you don't want him to have to be taking it out the floor and running the offense. Well, before we get into the offseason and next season, Saturday at home. Mississippi State. Noon, it got. Moved from February 16th, I believe, a Tuesday night game to this Saturday at noon. Mississippi State, not the best team in the world. They barely escaped against a Texas A&M team that had been off for 32 days. But it's still a game that you need to win and you need to be locked in for because you you want to finish the season on a high note. It would be good to two straight Saturdays, win at home, and do it handedly against, it. like I said, a Mississippi State team that isn't quite that good. They have a better record than Auburn overall. But like I said, only winning by six against Texas A&M when they hadn't played for 32 days, that's not impressive at all. Yeah, and this is going to be a... I think this will be a cool guard matchup between Allen Flanagan and DJ Stewart Jr. Same size, same frame as Allen. Um, same age, sophomore year in college. But he's averaging uh, almost 16.5 points a game. So I think this is going to be a battle between the guards. Um I mean, we've seen in previous years how close to the wire Mississippi State and Auburn gets in men's basketball. True. So this could very well formulate to be one of those games. 
and I think this formulates to being a game between Stewart and Flanagan. Now, like you said, obviously the question is, does Sharif play? We're going to go ahead and assume no. Obviously, Powell's not going to play. So, I think the big thing for Auburn is, like you said, win a second straight Saturday game, take some momentum into the offseason. I know you haven't finished strong, I mean, especially in SEC play as a whole. But the biggest thing right now is taking some momentum into the offseason, into the weight room while everybody else is doing March Madness. Auburn's getting a head start on their workouts. True, and and, and as we said, starting on workouts and, and really well. Of course, the recruiting's different because the dead period has been extended to I think May thirty first or it's something crazy. End of May. Like that. Hopefully that ends soon. There's a lot. Well, we won't get into that. But maybe they'll reverse that. The dead know. period will be in effect till then. It, it, it's kind of something that's made it difficult for schools and God bless the high school seniors who are. Well, because to make they like decision. to come look at the campus and the facilities. It, it it'll be something interesting to keep track of because, like, like I said, Auburn's gonna be able to get ahead of everyone else, and you know, this year I, they wouldn't have made the tournament anyway. But it's still one of those things that the team, we saw flashes of greatness of the team being exciting, of the team being a tournament team, but they weren't able to put it together for a full season. See, we just, I just I don't want to say this because I sound like a broken record, or at least I feel like I do, is they're just so young and their potential is through the roof. That's why you see these flashes of them being a tournament team them beating top 25 teams at home, them competing with Baylor on the road. Um, I mean, nearly beating Alabama on the road. I mean, getting it within five after being down by so much. So it's just the fact that they're so young, and I feel like Bruce understands that, and I feel like the players understand that. And I really feel like if this core group of freshmen and sophomores stay here for another year or two, Auburn can build a huge team. Well, yeah, you mentioned you know they they shown the flashes, and they're young. They didn't have a full off season, yeah. and I, like you said, I sound like a broken record as well. We've talked about that all year long, not having the off season, but that's something you got to deal with, and, and that's something you got to work different. on in the off season. True, shooting, rebounding, defending, all of it. A full off season for Auburn basketball after they host Mississippi State on Saturday at noon on the SEC Network. When we return, we're going to talk about Auburn baseball. Head to the Diamond across the street from Auburn Arena. You're listening to the Scoreboard on Wego 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to the Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the Scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back to the Scoreboard, Weagle 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming to the Scoreboard live on WeagleFM.com using that Listen Now button, we welcome you to the show. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman back from the break, getting into some Auburn baseball. Just got through with our Auburn basketball segment. If you missed it and want to hear our latest opinions on that, you can hit up the podcast after today's show on every podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast from. So, like I mentioned, Auburn baseball, they were originally supposed to welcome in Xavier this weekend. That got scratched. I think it was due to COVID. Due to, no, due to extenuating circumstances, which could mean anything. My guess is Xavier just played Tennessee Tech, who has COVID issues, and we said, nah, we'll pass. So. Yeah, so... So I feel like, yeah, something to do with COVID. And Auburn says, you know what? Perfect opportunity because another top 25 team needs somebody to play this weekend. Auburn is welcoming welcoming in number 18 Boston College to the Plains this weekend for a top 25 showdown. And Auburn also just got home from the Round Rock Classic. And, man, (laughs) we uh, We were so confident. Well, I think, was it you that said Auburn would be happy with a 1-2 weekend? I didn't say they'd be. 
I don't think I said that. Or did you happy, predict I that? Said, I predicted that okay. and said, be content with that. And that's what happened. I was very ambitious and predicted either 2-1 and one or 3-0. and oh. And if you wa- watch, no, you didn't watch on Flow Baseball because the stream sucked. If you listen to Brad Law on the yeah, Auburn you, Sports you, Network. You want to pay $30 for a quality stream. that cuts out right before Ryan Bliss' home run. Go for it. But if you listen to Brad Law on the Auburn Sports Network, the first half of the game, Auburn seemed like a team that was going to go 3-0 and that weekend. Auburn went off the gas with their offense in game one against Oklahoma, and then an extra innings lose on a walk-off, get blown out of the stadium Saturday, and then finish off against the SEC foe on Sunday with a win and got a pitcher of the week. You, you got a little bit of everything last weekend, to be honest. My bingo card almost got scratched completely <laughs> off. Honestly. I mean, you – I mean – you had guys go down with injury. You got blown out. It looked like you were going to blow someone out. Then you did blow someone out. I would consider the Texas A&M game a blowout. It, like I said, a little bit of everything. You had bullpen trouble. You had bullpen shining. You had everything. And I think that Auburn's in, they're in an okay position because of the way you ended the week. If that Baylor game was on Sunday, we'd be talking a lot different about this team. I think a big thing to bring out of this weekend also is Tyler Miller. Who has been seven in a row? Hot. Seven in a row. I mean, first baseman for the Tigers had himself an absolute week last week, going back to the Alabama A and M sweep, and then through the Round Rock Classic. I mean, dude's been on fire. So I'm look, you know, I'm looking at the stats. Who would have guessed after two weekends or two weeks? Guess who the lead? If you're not looking at the stats, guess who the top three hitters are on this Auburn baseball team? Tyler Miller. He's one. Okay, give me a second. Can you give me a or? Not uh, Bryson Ware. Freshman and a Juco guy. Bryson Ware? No. Oh, really? Really. Bryson didn't have a good weekend. Who's a freshman? Cam Hill. Wow. Is your leading batter for the Auburn Tigers at 545. You know, the other guy, he's a Juco guy, but it's his second year, Garrett Farquhar. Okay. Who would have guessed that those three guys would have been leading the way? Ryan Bliss is at fourth. That's kind of the guy I would expect to be up there. Bryson Ware is all the way down, hitting 324 as if that's super bad. Okay, here's the thing. Auburn's hitting 361, so that's kind of incredible. As a team, yeah, yeah, it's, that's pretty that's, incredible right it, now. They'll get it done. So, it, it's one of those things that, and and hey, that also includes Josh Hall, who doesn't qualify at 692 because Josh Hall didn't play this past weekend. He injured something, he tweaked something, he didn't feel like playing this weekend. Well, we also didn't know if Ryan was going to play last weekend. Yeah, and, and Bliss looks fine. Like he said, hit a home run. Yeah. <laughs> he, I texted you when Brad made the calls that I think his hamstrings okay. He's good now, but. Hall, he did it on Wednesday against Alabama A&M, and I think it was one of those things they didn't want to risk because you don't want to make that injury more severe. But like I said, he's hitting 692. So, Well, speaking of injuries, Auburn had two of them as well over the weekend again, Judd Ward and Cody Greenhill, which two Russellville natives. Yes. One of them we're going to see, I think. The other one we won't. Cody's probably not going to be in the pen for a while. I could see him. I could see him come out of the bullpen, though. Well, that's, that's what we were talking about before uh, we came back from break was the starters for this weekend for Auburn on the rubber, Richard Fitz Friday night, 205, one of our friends. Uh, then you have Mason Barnett on Saturday, and then you have Trace Bright, the reigning SEC Pitcher of the Week on Sunday. And it kind of it takes you down a thought path of, of why Barnett is on Saturday instead of Bright, and also... I believe we were talking about was it Butch made the comment that we're gonna like he's gonna be a starter and like we're gonna keep him there because like yeah mentally that's bad and Mason comes in in relief last weekend and he wasn't even written down as a probable Sunday starter and now he's gonna start on a Saturday so it's kind of mind boggling for me so to kind of answer all of that the reason I think Barnett's on Saturday is because I think 
Trace has solidified himself on Sunday. And that, yeah. So they want to put him where he's going to be. Whereas with the injuries, they're, they're shifting guys around. And I think Mason's going to be that fourth guy. Yeah. In case anything else happens if until not, Jack comes back. If not Cody. Because well, Cody's already started two games Well, guess what we haven't mentioned is that Jack Owen's going to return in the next few weeks. Yeah. Well, what happens then? Does Cody Greenhill go to the bullpen? Do you, if Trace Bright is going on a tear, I don't expect him to keep up a .9 ERA. But at what point do you say, you got to keep this guy in? Well, I think you absolutely have to keep Bright in that Sunday spot. But that's also what you were saying was Cody just, I mean, his power's out of the bullpen. I mean, He's one of the best closers in the league when he comes out of the bullpen. Listen, <laughs> if you've got Cody Greenhill and Mason Barnett coming out of the bullpen on back-to-back days, scary. That is terrifying for other teams. It is. That is terrifying. And then on Sunday, you're going to have – so, I mean, th- here's the thing. I think – I mean, I'm I'm not a baseball coach or pitching coach or anything, but why not start Cody – or uh, Jack Owen on Friday, Cody Greenhill back him up, Fitz on Saturday, Mason Barnett back him up, and, you know, assuming things go okay, you know, Baylor doesn't happen, you can literally throw those four guys on two days. Yeah. And then on Sunday, you've got the whole shebang of the bullpen that's looking solid with Carson Skipper, Brooks Fuller, uh, Seb Thomas, guys like those that are doing so well. Like, I think Auburn's pitching has the potential. The ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan would say. <laughs> that is the potential for this Auburn baseball pitching staff. And so is the offense. I mean, that's just that's what we've been talking about is just the depth and the potential in all three phases, hitting, defense, and pitching. And this weekend, it wasn't really on display. I mean, the first four or five innings on Friday, yeah, the offense was on display. Auburn was up 3-0. Auburn was looking great. Cody was looking strong. I mean, for his only a second start. And then... And then Cody got hurt. Yeah. And Auburn loses that game in extra innings. So I think it's more so I think it was also coming off of Alabama A and M being at thirty three to nothing and then you're already at three to nothing against a great team like Oklahoma. I think Auburn let, took their foot off the brake. So I think now it's the mentality of keeping your foot on the gas the whole game. Yeah. In my opinion. Coming from a baseball background, it's nine innings. It's not a short game. Your games are three hours long. You have to mentally be checked in and locked in and with the depth and the potential that Auburn has, with the ceiling being the roof, there's no telling where Auburn's going to go. I really think that the, the, the thing about the bats is you just have to make sure that you've got some, like, it's one of those things where I think the whole lineup, like, has the potential to be great. But it's one of those things you just need half the guys to be, like, on it because they're so good. Like, Tyler Miller, like, when he's on like he is, you just need a few guys and like one or two guys in front of him to also be on where he can just drive in those runs constantly. And and then when he's on, the other guys who haven't been picking up, their turn to pick up. And one of those guys that hasn't really picked it up, Rankin Woley. Yeah, Rankin's been one ninety two, the only guy on yeah. the team uh, that qualifies hitting under three hundred. Yeah, he had a terrible first weekend. Didn't play against Alabama A and M, so he couldn't really pad those stats like a lot of the other guys could because he had a head cold. And then of course, it, the whole weekend wasn't that great hitting-wise, other than the first few innings on Friday and then most of the day Sunday. So I think it's one of those things that Rankin will pick it up eventually. I mean, he was the leading average guy on the shortened season last year. Maybe he'll turn it on during SEC play. Yeah, and that's what we were talking about last week when we were talking about what would your starting lineup be this weekend and why, and you switched Rankin out for Steven. Well, they ended up doing that. Steven was in the cleanup spot, and it was kind of evident why. So I agree. I don't I wouldn't bail on his bat yet, but also keep an eye out. Because it's, I think it has, it's, I mean, this weekend against a top 25 opponent, 
he's a guy you prime. Can, you, he's a guy you cannot bail on. But it's one of those things you got to keep an eye on, and it's like. Pick it up, man, because he's also his glove is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At third base. You got options, but that veteran presence in his glove. One. Yeah. He's the best option. Well, having spoken about last weekend and where Auburn's at right now, I hinted to it. Auburn going into this weekend, welcoming in number eighteen Boston College after Xavier was not able to make the trip down to the Plains. They'll kick it off tomorrow night at four o'clock from Plainsman Park. Richard Fitz. He will have the first pitch on the rubber. Two o'clock Saturday and one p.m. to cap it off on Sunday. What do you see happening in this series? I think that Auburn, uh, what do I see happening? I don't know. Because this Boston College team feels like a team that could make some noise, but also might might not. Because they just wrapped up a road series win against number 11 Duke. 10-6 to win on Friday night. 3-10 to loss on Saturday and a 5-2 to win in the rubber match. But I also think that this team could like just come out of nowhere and really dominate. Looking at their statistics, their leading hitter, Sal Freelich, he's hitting 469. He's started every game. This is not like him not playing a lot and just getting a few hits. This guy hits 469. And then on the pitching side, they've got a lot of guys that look solid. They're only averaging, they're giving up 287 batting average average. And right. then a 3.5 ERA. I think that Auburn can win this series. I don't know if they will. I think that I think it's going to come down to Sunday, to be honest. I've, I say this. Auburn will not do worse than 2-1. Heck, if you're sitting along that fence, I even say Auburn is leaning more towards 3-0 on the weekend. Really? I just have that feeling. I think after the Texas A&M game, after the Friday and Saturday match in uh, Round Rock, being back at home, I think it's supposed to be beautiful weather this weekend. Am I I wrong? Oh, it's been great. At home, in front of the fans. (coughs) Excuse me. I think Auburn Auburn will win tomorrow night. Richard's got a chip on his shoulder. I know for a fact Richard's not happy with how he pitched on yeah, Saturday. Fitz gave up seven runs on Saturday. Going back to park ball with Richard, I mean, Richard was a guy I played with all throughout childhood. Then we played middle school and high school together on the Helena team. I mean, knowing him from all those years of playing with him, I know for a fact he's not happy. So I, I know for a fact Richard's touching 97 tomorrow and shoving. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> and then I, I, think, I think Friday and Sunday are my solidified Ws. The only – Mason's the reason I'm not so sure about Saturday yet. He pitched great in his first start, opening weekend against Presbyterian. It's just after what happened, giving up the lead and letting Oklahoma come back and tie it, that's my big question mark on the weekend. So Auburn will win Friday and Sunday. Saturday is the key point where I'll be watching. I hope you're right. I know I'm right. I hope you're right. I, From the future. See, see, see. I just, I'm concerned about the bats in like, in a way where they've been so consistently. I won't say they've been hot consistently, but they've been so consistent other than Saturday until the very end of the game that I'm just like, they're going to cool off at some point. And I don't know if it's going to be this weekend, but it very well could be. And I'm not saying they're going to cool off to the point where Auburn gets shut out three times, but they might not be scoring six-plus runs every game. If consistently Auburn gets the bat on the ball, you wouldn't even have to worry. True. They've got the power. Oh, man, they got so much power. They do. Speaking about power, <laughs> this is a powerful show, and this show will be back on the other <laughs> side of the break. This is the scoreboard. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We're going to get into some, I believe it's NBA. NBA All-Star break. NBA All-Star break. Already had your mic off. <laughs> this is the scoreboard, Weagle 91.1 FM. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Back live on the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com. Talking the NBA All-Star break and weekend. 
And then final segment of the show, NFL free agency a little bit. If you want to call in and talk about either of those, call 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEAGLE. Jacob Hillman and Bay Marks with you. As we get into what is going to be a much different all-star break than what we're used to due to COVID-19 protocols and and just a weird year that we've continued into 2021. Skills challenge, three-point contest, dunk contest, and the all-star game on the same night. Usually you've got the 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 uh, Saturday night slate of the skills challenge, three-point contest, and dunk contest. And then Sunday you have the game. Not this weekend. Well, remember what it's following. The One of the greatest, if not the greatest, all-star game in history from last True. year. And yeah, the different format just got everyone so excited for the game and how different it was and, you know, much more competitive. They were playing for charity. They had the quarter-by-quarter system, and then at the end, you play to a certain score. That will be continued this year. And I'm really looking forward to how they kind of, kind of the strategies that go into it, that what's changed from last year. And I also, obviously, we're looking forward to all the, the different challenges. The three-point contest is going to be electric. Yeah, and I'm sitting here on <laughs> – I'm on uh, USA Today, and I'm looking at, like, all the participants and everything to make sure, like, I have my people down. And under, like, every challenge, it says, no, every participant except Robert Covington is an all-star. And on the three-point <laughs> shootout, no, everybody is an all-star. Um, no, but I think this is also – well, and also tonight on TNT at 8 o'clock, did you say that it's the draft? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, I didn't say that, but so they are having the Yeah, game. that's tonight. So we, we know everything. We just don't know what the teams are. It's going to be interesting. I think all challenges are kind of like neck and neck on who you'd pick. I know. That's kind of what I'm looking for because – Well, in recent years, we haven't had that. Right. When I'm looking at the skills challenge, I could go with three different guys. Well, that's what I'm saying is, I mean, they're all – I mean, there's a few of them you're like, mm, like See, okay, but then it's like there's that group of three or four. In the past several years – People have complained about the skills challenge and the dunk contest and the three-point shootout because it's always like everybody underperforms except for the one guy that nobody picked. Like if you're looking at the three-point contest, you're like, oh, that's Steph Curry. And then out of nowhere, it's like Jalen Brown yeah. shoots him out of the roof. So so let, let's go ahead and pick our winners for the three for the three contests, skills challenge, three-point contest, and dunk contest. We'll start off with the skills challenge. For me, it comes down to Doncic, Paul, and Vucevic. I think Vucevic wow. is a good sleeper. Yeah. I think... Mine comes down to Doncic, Paul, and Sabanis. Okay. And my winner, who? Do we have to give an exact winner? I'd say, yeah, we want the winner of the I'll contest. I'll let you go first. I'll see who you I'm picking Luka Doncic. I was gonna, I'm tempted to either pick Luka or, or Sabanis. I'm not going to pick Chris just because Chris is kind of old. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a Chris Paul thing for him to come out and dominate, yes. though. Especially the way the Suns are playing this True. year. But, um, no, I'm with you. I'll, I'm going to go with. You know, just to be different, I'll pick Sabanis. And then if Doncic wins, he'll be my second pick. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll pick I'll pick Sabanis and be different. Moving on to the three-point contest. Both of these are prior to the tip-off of the All-Star game around 5.30 Central Time on TNT. Like I said, we're doing it different this year. All on Sunday, the dunk contest is at halftime of the game. But the three-point contest, Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, Steph Curry, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum, those are some big names. They are. I think I think this will be the most interesting challenge and probably the most competitive one. Yeah, and that's the point is it's so close and neck and neck and competitive. If I'm going to knock it down to three people, you obviously have to pick Steph because the greatest shooter ever. Um, and then I'd pick Steph, Zach Levine, and uh, Donovan. Those are my three. And you know who I have winning it? I have Zach Levine winning it. I've got Mitchell. Okay, 
I don't want to pick Steph just because, like... I feel like he might go around and screw around a little bit. St- yeah, and Steph's also a better in-game shooter. That is true. And pra- well, I mean, we, say, wait, hey, practice, we say that, but yes, remember the, the video of... Yeah. How, however many... We say that, but, you know. But, um, no, I'm going to pick Zach Levine just because there's been this conversation lately about how underappreciated he is and the well, fact that... He's in the polls. Well, yeah. His prime years are being wasted, and he could potentially be on the trading block. So... Um, and I'm a huge fan of Levine, so I'll pick Zach Levine. I think he, I think he's got the best shot of winning this. And then uh, I think behind him will be Donovan and Steph, in no particular order. Yeah, see, I, I really like Donovan. You know, a lot of people when they see him, they think of his really his his dunks because he's such an explosive player. He he's one of those guys that you look at and you're kind of you kind of scares you because it reminds you of D Rose the way he jumps and lands. But he does shoot 38.2 percent from the three this year. 36% in his career, so it's an improvement. That's what I look at. And I, th- I think Mitchell is going to come out. Because I also think, hey, especially with what happened last night against the 76ers, mm-hmm. I think he just wants to go out and get all the attention he can. Because he yeah. got a lot of attention last night. He's going to continue that this weekend. He, uh, we won't get into that. but We could talk about that for a minute. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll pick the dunk contest and we might talk about that. Okay, the dunk contest. Who, who are these people? <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, but, no, but who are these people? <laughs> No, um, no Zion? Coward. Maybe next year. Coward. Unless he's going to be like LeBron and never face the dunk yeah. contest, which LeBron's not the GOAT because he never won the dunk contest. You know, Jordan did. I can get behind that. Kobe did too. Kobe did. With, Kobe won it. He was a rookie. That I, That is true. I don't remember that, but I, 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 I love like... I love seeing athletes like have fun with this one. Back in the early 2000s and in the 80s and 90s, it was so cool to see legends... Well, competing. even the Zach Levine and the Aaron Gordons of the 2010s, I mean, those were fun, too. Nate Robinson, Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. I think those were a little, for me, they, they were fun, but they were a little too, like, show. Like, cliche. Yeah, cliche acting and stuff. The Blake Griffin jumping over a car and stuff. Okay, I'm not going to lie. That was kind of cool. I mean, it was good. It was cool, but, like, <laughs> that's so, just like, it's like, oh, yeah, here's Did my He really jump over the car, he though. Car. He jumped, he over, jumped the over the hood. hood. <laughs> yeah, he jumped <laughs> over the hood. He didn't even drive over the car. Like, get a convertible, at least. <laughs> anyway. Anthony Simons, Cassius Stanley, Obi Toppin. I mean, like, this is this is not this doesn't excite me. <laughs> well, you see, the problem is I want to pick Obi, but I feel like Obi's too bike. He's too long, if he, that makes sense. He can't sense. get creative. Exactly. I want to pick him, but I think I'm gonna go with Cassius Stanley and watch it be Simons. That's what I, that's what I'm thinking too. I I don't know anything about Anthony Simons. I'm gonna I don't be honest. Either, yeah. Cassius Stanley though, I think he He's very athletic. He's athletic. And I think he 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 the, he's the kind of guy that's gonna go out and try his best and really bring out all the stops. I mean, maybe Simon's is that way, but I mean, I haven't seen too many highlights of him dunking. So, um, one thing real quick, too. Did you see the futures game rosters the other day? They got released? I did. I didn't pay too much attention to it. Okay, that's kind of cool. If you know, I love the futures rosters because it, it's it's one of those things where you realize. Man, the NBA has a lot of guys from overseas. Well, it's like you look at the rosters, and here's just a few guys. So, obviously, from the U.S. team, you have uh, rookies Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton. Then you have guys like Tyler Hero, John Morant, Michael Porter Jr., Zion, James Wiseman. And then you, you're like, okay, well, then who the heck does the world, world team have? Well, they have R.J. Barrett, Lou Dort, they have Theo Maledon, and then they also have guys like Roy Hachimara. So, well, because here's the thing. It's like, oh, man, you got all the stars on the U.S. team, and it's like, but those are, these, these aren't big names, but they're solid players. They're good. They're solid players. I could see them winning the team, the world team. Oh, no, I'm still going to pick the U.S. Me too. But. but I could see them winning it because, like, I don't know. I just It's also one of those games where it's like 
they're not going to really be working as a team until the very end. Yeah. So they're going to be dunking all over the place. But then it, it might be a thing where the U.S., like, they're shooting threes from the logo, doing crazy alley-oops, but they're down by 10 going into the fourth quarter. Have you seen, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, where Luca and Trey Young played in this game and Luca was mic'd up? Yeah. He was like, I'll do the jump ball. I'll do it. He's like, oh, no, you got it. He goes, no, I'll actually do it. He goes and does the jump ball. I love Luca, dude. Luca. Luca makes me mad picking against him. Luca is such a such a fun player to watch, and I think he's here for the next he's like 10 Boban. years as a great player. I think they're, I think they're a great tandem as, like, Entertainment factor, outs off the court. So, so you, so you're picking the U.S. for the Rising Stars game. I, I'm probably gonna pick the U.S. too. I think Lamelo Ball might show out. He's been showing out this season. He heard us on the radio say that he wasn't deserving of the Rookie of the Year. We don't have to talk about that. Isaac Okoro, yeah, Isaac Okoro snubbed. <laughs> where, where's next he at? year? Next year? Yeah, where, where's your defensive presence? I don't see any defenders on this on this roster. Next year. Next year. Give him Defensive Player of the Year this year. He's guarding everyone's best player, and he's doing a dang good job of it. So, he had a dunk last night. I'm looking at this article, and it's a picture of last year's game. Just to mention some of the first few people with celebrities on the front row. It looks <laughs> like you have 2 chains, Ninja and his wife, <laughs> Guy Ferrari. Sorry, that was random, but that was just the first picture in this article. <laughs> I love this. Like, look at all these celebrities. 2 chains, and Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> Who remember that guy? Tyler Blevins, to be exact. Remember Ninja. Remember Fortnite? Yeah, that. Yeah. It's a sport now, right? I don't know. I don't play anymore. Yeah, we haven't played since freshman year. Yeah, high school that was big, but Fortnite got. Our, yeah, our senior year because it came out on mobile. It did. So everyone at school was playing it. It was much more fun, like seasons like one through three, and then we got to college and they started ruining it, and I didn't have time for it anyways, so. This is our video game segment, by the way, guys. This is now the 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 console, not the scoreboard. The the so yeah, Warzone, by the way. <laughs> oh man, NBA NBA All Star Game and Weekend should be a good one. Now it's gonna be different, but don't get used to it. It'll be back to normal next year. Oh it's wait, in, it's in Atlanta, just down the just. Down the, Respect to Kobe. Run by twenty four. Is the is the is the is the NBA All Star MVP trophy it's named after always gonna be Kobe? Yep. They did that last year. It was right after he died. Yeah, I was hoping they would keep that forever. So, so respect to Kobe. Going to play 24 on the way out. RIP Kobe. You're listening to the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. NFL free agency on the other side of this break. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can listen to us live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Final segment, it's the scoreboard WEGL 91.1 FM. Over streaming at WeagleFM.com, we welcome you. Final segment, going to get into some NFL free agency. And if you want to call in and talk about the crazy free agency, feel more than welcome. The number is 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. That spells out Weagle. So obviously, the biggest name in free agency the past few weeks has been none other than J.J. Watt. Leaving Houston, we talked about it on the show last week how we really thought that the Browns, the Packers, and the Steelers were the three biggest contenders to land uh, one of, if not the greatest, defensive end of all time. We were on top of that one. We were, and he <laughs> ended up signing with the Cardinals. So we were really on top of that one. Our journalism skills were just... Hey, look, he's rejoining his teammate. I see it was one of those things I thought was kind of a smoke screen. Like, 
when when Hopkins was uh, posting them out, I was like, oh yeah, ha ha, just screw Houston and stuff. No, they actually said screw Houston yeah. and joined together. Well, I, I really thought there was no way he doesn't either go play for the Browns with Garrett, the Packers just because hometown, hometown, and the offer they could have made him if they would have waited, and then playing with his two brothers in Pittsburgh because the third one's there, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, J- uh, Derek, TJ, and JJ. Derek, yeah. So he fools the NFL world and goes to Arizona. So. What does that mean? The NFC West gets even crazier, and it doesn't stop there because Russell Wilson talking about going to Chicago out of all places. It's an absolute madhouse right now. Yeah, and, and the Russell Wilson thing is not even free agency. That's just trade market because yeah. you got you've got Deshaun Watson, you got Russell Wilson, two of the most prolific. Is, is Russell Wilson considered young anymore? He's in his early thirties. So he's not young anymore. He's on the back end of things okay. in his NFL career. Deshaun Watson, one of the best young quarterbacks, and like said, Russell Wilson's so prolific. I don't know if Russell Wilson's going to get moved. I think he's going to stay in Seattle. Deshaun Watson is definitely going to get moved at some point because he's just going to refuse to play for the Texans if it comes down to it. It's going to be interesting because you know the the the, the salary cap for the NFL is dropping so much because of the COVID nineteen pandemic and the NFL's losing money teams are losing money so I'm looking forward to see what's happening like it's kind of already started with the Giants releasing Golden Tate yeah it's that, a, that's that's the free up cap space I think the biggest thing is just the fact that the drafts also coming up in less than two months now so look out for trade picks look out for who they're planning on drafting so I watched SVP last night and he was kind of talking about how he thinks the best way to get talent is free agency. He's like, yeah, the draft is great and all, but that's such a developmental thing. That's also a risk factor because, I mean, you've seen them in college, but what do they do in the pros? In the pros, you've got guarantee of, okay, they did this. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's actually a good point. That's something you can think about. So this year with how crazy it's going to be with the salary cap dropping, just so much happening, I mean, we're in for it. It's already with J.J. Watt. It's already happened. Do you hear something else that's weird? Do you know what 25-year-old defensive end is listed as one of the top players on the free agency market? Is it Carl Lawson? Carl Lawson. Wow. But this report does say that uh, Cincinnati just did just get um, – they added $145 million to their payroll, and they do want him back. So, unless that's coach speak, as they put it. See, I would, I would he, imagine they want him back because they're literally just a few offensive linemen away from being a great team. Well, he also dialed up four, the fourth most pressures last week – or last year, like, league-wide. So – I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting. Well, thing. I mean, when you look at the Bengals, like I said, they're just a few offensive linemen away from being a great team because defense is solid. Joe Burrow is great as long as he comes back and recovers from that ACL injury. I still think one more wide receiver and a tight end. Yeah, you want some playmakers as well, but I think Burrow can make it work. He could with we've with seen when he's on the LSU. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I think a big thing. I mean, like you just said, I know it's not uh, trade market, but the, I think the Russell Wilson thing could really put a spin on things because, I mean, Russell Wilson would be leaving the most competitive, you could argue, the most competitive division in football right now other than the AFC um, North. So my thing is, is does he spend the rest of his career there or is he wanting to go to a place like Chicago that's gone 500, it seems like, for the past five years in a row? Well, yeah, because if you look at the NFC North, the Packers are probably stuck at the top. They're, They're there. The Vikings and the Lions, uh, the Lions. They've already moves. been making moves. I mean, they're, they're, they, making they're moves, trading, getting golf. But it's going to be hit or miss. Yeah. It's going to be hit or miss. They're either going to make the playoffs next year or they're going to go like 
four and twelve. They're still looking for their su- first Super Bowl appearance. The Vikings, they're also so up and down. You never know what you're going to get out of them. Now they've got great running back Dalvin Cook. They got Kirk Cousins, and I don't know. I I really think that Russell Wilson should stay in Seattle. I think I think I saw the thing about why he wants to go to the Raiders, and it showed the the picture of Derek Carr in that clean pocket. But I still think Seattle just doesn't treat him well enough. I don't think they treat him badly, but I don't think they treat him well enough. Yeah. where I'm at on that. And I think it's just the thing where they're trying – I feel like they're trying to build around Russ, which they've done with Lockett and Metcalf. I don't don't know. And it also comes down to are him and Pete Carroll still clicking? I mean, we saw the – kind of the garbage they put up in a few games last year. And then we also saw some of the sheer good football we saw put up in some games last year. Um, I don't know. But speaking of the NFC West and the Seahawks, because he used to be on the Seahawks, Richard Sherman's also a potential free agent. And you know where they're talking about him going? Browns? The Raiders. Because that's where uh, Gus Bradley is. Oh. So. He's too old for him to matter, though. He's only 32. Oh, you know he's not. But look at the way he's playing. Hold on. I don't think he's 32. He's got to be older than that. He played in 2007 in, at Stanford. Richard Sherman age. Well, I guess that would kind of make sense, actually. Okay, this is a different Richard Sherman, and it says he's 80. So. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I don't think the cornerback. If he's 80, he looks good for 80. He's 32. Okay. So. He's still just the way he's been playing. He's just, I think he was at an all-time high when he was on the Seahawks, and it just hasn't gotten any better from there. That's a good point. Now, something that does make me mad, they're talking about Aaron Jones. You know they're talking about him going? Talking about taking his talents to South Beach. That would actually be a really good fit. No, because he's leaving the Packers. Okay, it's a well, great, we have AJ Dillon. It's a great though. fit. It's a great fit to yeah. be honest. Think about think about what my, Miami needs. That I mean, who who was the running back they were playing last year at the end of the year? That was playing really well. I can't think. It's of his on the name. tip of my tongue. I can't too. think of his name, but he's not going to be a consistent threat at running back for the Dolphins. They need now, Aaron Jones, to, especially with a Tua. Well, if they use him right. Mm. It's Packers, I feel like, haven't done that. Well, I think they did the first half, especially in this past season, because Aaron Jones can run the ball, but he's also the best receiving back in the league, you could argue. I mean, he would average three or four touchdowns a game, and at least half of those were receiving. So, I think that's, where, regardless of where he ends up, that's where you got to be utilized with him. Good point. But And over the agency, like... Can I give you one more before we go to break? Absolutely. Actually, I'll give you two quick ones. They're both pertaining to the NFC East. Patriots going after a quarterback, and you know who they potentially see going there? Somebody that's already played in the NFC East? Oh, gosh. Alex Smith? Fitz Magic. Oh. And then to make it even crazier, the Jets, they could use a wide receiver, a young one, possibly that's 24 years old, by the name of Juju Smith-Schuster. They're talking about him going there, too. I don't see Juju leaving Pittsburgh. Hey, man. I don't see him leaving Pittsburgh. There's just, like, I'm telling you, there's like one or two moves in the NFL right now that have to happen to set off the Jacob Hillman Thanos snap and let everything just change. You're right. I mean, and there's a potential for the NFL to really just kind of shift directions this offseason. It's, I don't know, man. They, they literally, if if Watson goes somewhere that's kind of a, on the cusp of being a contender, and Russell Wilson can make anyone a contender. Yeah. I, I'm not, I think Watson can too, but I'm not as confident in him making, I don't know, the Lions a contender as I would be Russell Wilson. Yeah. The NFL could shift like crazy this year. 
They can. And it could also end up being potentially like the NBA a few years ago when the East was so unbalanced with the West and then they ended up bouncing back out. We'll see. There's just so many names also that we keep forgetting that are also potential free agents. James Winston. <laughs> no. <laughs> James Winston. Bring him to Carolina. Do y'all draft a quarterback? I, it wouldn't be bad. I want Deshaun, though. Yeah, I, I, think, would, I would take Deshaun. I it goes back to what you said earlier about SVP. I think we'll have to give up too much, though. You would. That's the issue. That's going to do it for the school board today with Jacob Hillman and Bay Marks. If you want to catch the replay of today's show, find it on whenever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music. We're going to go upload it right after the show. If you want to hear us live again, you can do that next Thursday at 4 o'clock here from the Weagle Studios on 91.1 FM WEGL. This has been the scoreboard. This has been the scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.